Happy holidays, everybody, and welcome to the last episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics of the Year. And fittingly, we don't have Thad with us today. Yo, holidays happen. You're <laughs> stuck with me this time. Just get over it. My wife and editor of the Fandamentals, Coy, say hello. I just said something. Okay, well. They know I'm here. I, all right, all right. <laughs> Somebody ep- did not voluntarily go along with this recording. <laughs> Today's episode, we're going to be basically summing up the year, what we liked, what we didn't like. Trends that we notice. So. That kind of shit. Yes. Basically, it's that podcast. Yay. Happy New Year. That how the song goes? That's how the song goes, is it? No. <laughs> what are you singing? I don't know. Are you singing Happy New Year to the Hallelujah Chorus? That's what it was. It was. Yo, that is not right at all. <laughs> all right. So. We're going to start off with all the stuff we don't want to talk about. Our least favorite movie of the year. Which one? Oh, I don't know. What comes to mind? Transformers. Oh, God, that was awful. Wait, was Fifty Shades darker this year? Yeah, I can't honestly remember. (laughs) I think it was, because didn't we review that together for the site? We reviewed it together for the site, but I don't know if it was this year. If it was this year, that was the worst movie I've seen by far. (laughs) Um, I mean... If it wasn't this year, then for me it's a toss-up between Transformers, whichever number this one is on, (laughs) and then something that's going to earn me a night in the doghouse, The Shape of Water. Oh, what? I didn't like it. No, no, there's a difference between not liking it and it's one of the worst of the year. For me, it's one of the worst of the year. Ah, that's going to be a different conversation to have. I didn't like it. it I, look, if you don't like that '50s aesthetic, this is not the movie for you. Oh yeah, no, I'm not gonna lie. If you don't get, if you don't dig Guillermo del Toro's love of all the shades of green, probably not gonna be. In it. Yeah. So okay, so you can say that for other people, and it's okay. But for your wife, it's a betrayal. Not a betrayal. It's only a betrayal because you're listening as one of the worst of it the is year. It's one of the worst movies of the year for me. Uh. I've take we've gone to so many movies. Yes. And that is the worst you've seen. One of I put Transformers first. All right, all right. Still. Well, I'm not going to put Patterson on there. I'm not. I mean, the movie is gorgeous. I just hated the score. I right, know the score for Patterson it was absurd. I think that was last year. I thought we saw it early this year. And we saw it early this year. It came out. Oh. Last year. If you haven't seen Patterson, by the way, Adam Driver. Jin Jamush, Adam Driver plays a poet. I know it sounds awful, but it's actually really good. Except for the score. Except for the score. Okay, so getting away from my right. top two worst, what are yours? Well, um, Transformers is pretty fucking awful. Uh, Book of Henry, I tend to go for it. See, I'm surprised by that one because the further you get away from that movie, the more you appreciate it as being batshit insane. It is batshit insane, but it's also really bad. Like, it's a bad movie because it doesn't work. Okay. But it's a bad movie that you can at least be entertained by. Like, it's never boring. So it's a bad movie in the sense of it's entertaining, but at no point in time are you actually feeling anything what the movie's trying to make you feel. 
See, I think Shape of Water is a bad movie because I checked my watch to see how much time was left in it. How many times? You even caught me doing it. I caught you like two We came times. out of the theater and you said, I don't think you liked it. I saw you checking your watch. Okay, we'll call Book of Henry as it's a bad movie, but it's a bad movie you have to see. Okay. As far as, oh God, one of the worst movies I've seen this year. If Fifty Shades came out, then I'm going to have to go Fifty Shades. Because well, I'm, yeah, duh. That movie is fucking boring. <laughs> the only movie I have checked my watch on more that I can recall in recent memory besides The Shape of Water was Fifty Shades. And I think I took like four bathroom breaks during that because I couldn't stand it. Resident Evil. Was that this year? Uh, but what? I didn't see it. I believe, yeah. No, I believe Resident Evil is pretty awful. So Resident Evil or Kingsman 2, which I fucking hated. Oh, I remember you coming home from that one in a bad mood. <laughs> you were not pleasant to be around for like an hour after you got home. Kingsman 2 was one of the laziest motherfucking films I've seen this year. It was such a waste of Pedro Pascal. Oh my, everyone. It is unanimous. Everyone I work with like, I love Pedro Pascal. God, that movie <laughs> Even people who love the first movie. Pedro deserves better. Most people deserve better. Humanity. No, I loved everyone. It's like, is that Burt Reynolds? Oh, he was... So, yeah, even I was like, this is... that Aladdin Burt Reynolds? That has to be... Like, he could... If, if they were to do a Smoking the Bandit remake... Oh, my God. I, I would mean, not accept anybody else but Pedro Pascal. Outside of Oscar Isaac. No, I'd have to go with Pedro. Really? Yeah, Oscar Isaac is good, but, like, not... He doesn't the have the game. Smokey and the Bandit game. No, he doesn't. But he has the mustache game. Yeah, but Pedro Pascal always has the mustache all game. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all about that mustache life. <laughs> so, we're in agreement. If Fifty Shades came out this year, because you can tell we did our research for this episode, <laughs> then that's our number one worst. And number two, we're also in agreement, was Transformers. Yes. I know that movie was bad when we, at different points in the movie, were having to tell each other to let it the fuck go. <laughs> Mine started first on because they're in this, like, Arthurian landscape with fucking gothic arch architecture, which was, like, centuries later. And I, I knew I was going to be in for a shitty experience. I tried to find a good point in it, and I was like... I'll give it credit. There was a couple of good moments with whoever that that actress who looks like Becky G and is as tall as Becky G but isn't Becky G. <laughs> we'll call her Becky G 2.0. Well, no, that's not fair, but... <laughs> what it is. Well, whatever. Was Transformers The Last Night. That was it, right? Yeah, Transformers The Last Night. How do you even have night robots? No, that's the thing. There's so many things that movie didn't have. Okay, well, anyways, the actress. Here I am on IMDb pulling it up. Um, Isabella Moner. Moner? Anyways, Isabella and Mark Wahlberg. They actually had some fairly fun chemistry. Okay. And I was okay with that. It was like, if you just gave me a movie with those two, I could have been okay. But then we, like, completely cut off. And went to an entirely different fucking movie with the most cliche not Megan Fox wannabe stand-in. Right. She's quirky. 
She's hotter than anyone you'll ever meet in your life, and she's a professor of history. Which they never really use to solve anything. I know. She just has this magic bloodline, but nothing ever comes of it because Cade's the chosen one. Right. Which is odd, because if you're going to have magic bloodlines... I know. <laughs> you would think it would be the white lady, except for when it can be the white guy. Well, now that's the thing, because Sam Witwicky, fucking horrible name, had magic bloodlines, and they let that play out. She has magic bloodlines. It's like, oh, we switched it. It's like... Okay, yeah. but there's... Big reason on why they played it out with Sam Witwicky, and they didn't for Vivian Wembley. It's because he has a penis and has magical powers. Something like that. Okay. It's maybe not quite so cis normative, but yes. Yes. <laughs> but also, like, what kind of name is Cade Yeager? This is not Pacific Rim. It's the type of name that you make up for Transformers. What kind of name is Sam Witwicky? Well, that at least sounds like it's in, like, Witwicky. It sounds like it's in the realm of something you would hear. Like, an average Joe. Like, no, Witwicky, yeah. Like, I could imagine that's that's too, like, not cool of a last (laughs) name to be for, like, a standard person. It's actually from the cartoons, but that's beside the point. Well, whatever. Jaeger? (laughs) Come on. Cade Jaeger? (laughs) If ever there was a man who blew out his knee in high school football and grew up the most drunken asshole in a small town in Oklahoma, it's Katie Yeager. I know, but why don't you just go ahead and get all the pretense out and name him Remington Steele? Oh my god. Can we just talk about Remington Steele? No, we can't, because nothing about Remington Steele happened in 2017. Okay, Remington Winchester. That's uh, about on par with Michael Bay and his subtlety death. <laughs> Remington Winchester and his trusty... No. Okay, so what about movies that they were really close but didn't quite get there for you? That were really good that just weren't great? Yeah, or even they were okay but they just couldn't quite hump, cross the hump in the good but they don't belong on the worst of the year list. Ah, uh, okay but not great. Hmm. I almost want to say Chuck, but that's not fair because Chuck is actually a really good movie. Um... Honestly, I'm going to have to say... Ah, that's a, that's a tough question. You got anything for that? Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I actually think it's really good. I don't think it's... Open. Uh, I liked it the first time I saw it. Okay. When I rewatched it, I was like, meh, this is why I don't rewatch movies. Oh, the flaws popped out of it? Yeah. Okay. And this is why, like, unless I really love a movie and I know rewatching it will not kill that magic, right. I won't rewatch a movie because I know, like, I know my analytical brain is going to kick in instead of the, yay, everything's happy part, right. and it's going to start pointing shit out. Right. Well,. Some degree, I guess we could say the greatest showman, but I love the greatest showman. So I, I feel like not calling it good seems to be an anathema because what you're wanting is something that was almost good. Yeah. And so I didn't, I, and I still didn't love it. I just like I see what it's trying to do. You came home and seal clapped over that movie, so I don't think it counts. <laughs> um, I don't really have any that sticks out of my mind on that. Because mediocre movies tend to just sort of float away. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, 
to some degree in Justice League. I'm going to disagree with you on that purely because I fucking loved it. I loved it too. But it was really close to being like a genuinely good movie. I don't know what the fuck you're on. I thought I thought it was a genuinely good movie. Like, maybe not the greatest, but I thought it was a good movie. It's a good movie if you ignore everything else that's come before it. <laughs> well. Which you almost have to do. Okay. Fair enough. Also, I would say The Disaster Artist. I didn't really like that one. Everyone else seems to be drunk on it. You came home and said you have to really love the room. You do. And, like, I understand what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. But you gotta really want it. <laughs> okay. Like, there are people who haven't seen the room and love it. Uh-huh. So you don't... So knowledge of the room isn't important. I just think... It's one of the things... Well, Tommy Wiseau didn't risk anything, so I am not really at all sort of impressed by his daring do of getting a movie made. He's unfathomably wealthy for fuck's sakes. Okay. Uh, what's another one? Um, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I didn't like this movie. I the critics sure as hell do. Some do. Not everyone does. Okay. The problem with three billboards is it, for what it's trying to do, it cuts itself under, like, it's trying to be about karma and forgiveness and love and understanding. The problem is, they keep pointing out about how the bad guys have been systematically torturing the lives of the Latinos in the community, the African Americans in the community, and then those same people are then forgiven or redeemed by other white people. Right. And in fact, okay, the movie you hate, uh, Shape of Water, uh-huh. Yolanda in Shape of Water, that one girl's always like, hey, move the, move the line along. But she holds the elevator door open. Yeah. She has more of a story and more of an arc than the two black people and the three billboards outside of Ebony, Missouri. Fair. Yolanda has motive. She's given, like, rough edges. And at the same time, we're given a sense that no, 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 she still likes him. She's just kind of, you know, persnickety because who isn't? That's a fucking line. Right. I think for me, it was the man who invented Christmas. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Jeremiah knows how sad this film made me coming out of it because I am obsessed with Christmas. Like, the Hallmark movies come on. Boom, I am there. This movie had to do so little to make me happy. And it just kept taking a left turn every time. And I talked about it. Like, I actually wrote a review for it for the site. And I was like, it can't figure out if it wants to be a Christmas movie or if it wants to be a biting commentary on class issues. My personal favorite part about The Man Who Invented Christmas was the rant you went on about what the fuck is the meaning of that goddamn crow? Ah! <laughs> because there's a crow in the movie, and they keep using it like it's an allegory or a metaphor or a symbol for something, and it's never clear, and I've never seen my wife just more in like a, 
a fit of just rage. I was really in the weeds about that damn crow. I was also like, why we introduce these like Tiny Tim and Bob Cratchit characters? They don't stay with him throughout this entire imagining. No, Which, by the way, I will say, I will say, I did like though how they kind of interpreted and brought to life how a story is created Absolutely. and how characters are created. But then instead of you know giving me Bob Cratchit, they stick with freaking Fezziwig, <laughs> and he just kind of gloms around. And the only person you've got who's you know really freaking trying because after a while it feels like Dan Stevens is just kind of phoning it in. Right. The only person you've got is Christopher Plummer as Ebenezer Scrooge. Christopher Plummer, the man who will win 2017. <sighs> <laughs> He's already winning 2017, by the way. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Yeah, I kind of do know this. Okay. The whole story about... um. All the money in the world? Yeah. Yeah, no... Uh... I see you looking up Chuck there, and I don't think that came out this year. Yeah, it had to have. I remember. Well, maybe it came out in theaters where we were this year. Yeah, it did. Well, okay. <laughs> you got to see it. No, I was just looking. Uh, anyhow, but no, The Man Who Invented Christmas is such a... Like, it's a movie you understand what it's trying to do as you watch it. Uh-huh. But then as it goes along, you're like, okay, I get it. It's one of those movies about famous people who write stuff in which all the great lines, every single one of them, he hears from someone else and he has to write them down. It's like, okay, you are a writer. At some point, you are going to have to write something genuine. <laughs> yeah, it was just, there were parts of it I really liked. Yeah. But then every time it kept, it came to like making that turn, mm-hmm. it veered left. Like, we talk about that one Sandra Bullock movie, all about Steve, where you could see <laughs> that there was probably a good movie in there, but it just kept making every left turn possible. Right. That's kind of how I am with The Man Who Invented Christmas. And, I mean, I'm probably more frustrated with it right. than it deserves, but I'm frustrated because I, I know what it could have been. Anyway. So, do you want to move on to... Really good movies that weren't great, but movies that are like... Well, not so much that, but like movies that we love but no one else really talked about. Or do you have... Movies that we really love that nobody else talked about. Like, we were, we feel like we're the only ones who are really carrying the torch for it. I mean, I have a guess of what's coming up. I don't know that I have one for this. I'm trying... Like, I finally saw It... Last week before I went home for Christmas. Oh, when did you see that? Last week before I went home I know, for Christmas. I know, like when? Like, did you go to the theater or did you watch it online? I watched it online. Okay. It came out on Amazon. Oh, okay. What you think? I liked it. It's really good, right? I am terrified of clowns and I love this movie, <laughs> but I think a lot of other people really liked it too, so I don't... Right, I don't no, that's fine. counts. What about Power Rangers? That's one of my favorite movies of the year, you bitch. No, no, well, Yes. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. There is no qualification for it. We will talk about it later in this episode. (laughs) Okay. Try and give (laughs) I know where you sleep, asshole. (laughs) You do. Anywho, so we'll just skip that category. It's a nonsense category. Well, I'd like to talk about films that 
like you and I liked mm-hmm. a lot, but it's not necessarily that other people didn't carry the torch, but there was like a lot of controversy over people either enjoyed it or they really didn't like it. Okay. You got an example? Justice League. Oh, okay. Well, just- <laughs> I've said in my review, Justice League is bad, like Roadhouse is bad, and great, like Highlander is great. It's not a technically good movie. Okay, the actors in Justice League are so much better. Oh, yeah. No, no. They saved that movie. It is so much better than Highlander. So let, no, let's, no, no. let's the acting in Highlander is what also saves the Highlander. Mm. <laughs> we, Pat and I have already discussed this. Okay, it's not the fact that he's a bad actor. It's the fact that he's not behaving like a human being normally behaves, and therefore becomes intriguing. Okay. Well, anyways, I this is my thing with Justice League. You shat on and shat on and shat on. This movie all fucking year. Right. All the fucking year. <laughs> right. And then the movie comes out. He sees it three times in three different theaters in one freaking weekend. Yeah, three days, three times, three theaters. Yeah. I'm the one who was excited for it. And all of a sudden, this asshole comes home after getting to see it. It's like, oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of it is amazing because it is just so what the fuck. <laughs> the other parts of it are just legitimately, I think, really good. Right. Like the lasso scene where... Um, the lasso scene is good. Where Arthur's sitting on her lasso right. and just goes off and starts getting super personal. The opening credits are good. The opening credits are good. And I'm sorry, but outside of that weird mustache CGI, <laughs> which was really... like. I don't get Uncanny Valley. Like, right. I adapt super easy for that. That new movie, Battle Angel, coming out, yeah. I had three seconds of, oh, that's odd, and okay, I'm good. Right. But that mustache. <laughs> I finally found something that set off the Uncanny Valley for me. You know what And when great? he's saying, do you bleed? <laughs> I'm just, like, reaching back and cringing, and the only thing... It caps it off so perfectly was... Lois steps out of the car, and Clark sees her and just tosses Bruce behind him, and you hear him land with a thump. Well, and what's great is, <laughs> when you see Superman smile, it feels odd for so many reasons. One, we've never seen the fucker smile in, like, two movies. Two, it's that fucking lip. I know. I mean, <laughs> one, it's, just... it's course correcting because he should have been smiling. <laughs> I like the course correction. But oh my goodness, that's the great, CGI. The best thing is the first time you saw it was in 3D. I have never seen you just jump back and almost out of a chair. That was that was <laughs> something. But then, like one of my other favorite moments outside of like everything with Wonder Woman right. is when Bruce, when they're in that final battle and Clark Superman comes in. Mm-hmm. It's just that look of kid like joy. <laughs> like his mouth literally drops open and he's smiling. It's like, oh, there's the Batman I know has been lurking underneath after all that Christopher Nolan grumpy ghost. You know what? It's just like that is the most gushing I've ever seen a Batman look. I loved it. Oh, yeah, no. I, I love it, but I also understand that. From a technical standpoint, it's a pretty god-awful movie. <laughs> yes. I, I can give you that there are mistakes in it. I, I don't think it's as bad as some people have savaged right. it as being. Well... In a movie where the 50... Sh- in a world 
in a new universe and a dimension. Right. Where the Fifty Shades franchise exists. Right. That bar is set so low that I'm like, why are you savaging this like it's a 50? Uh, so, let me just bring something up. Because you bring up Justice League. And Justice League showed something that I think this year has been very good at almost disproving. And that is, audiences are hungry for franchises. Because there have been a lot of franchises that have started mm-hmm. this year. But if you look at the movies, they are movies within a whole first. There's no really real open-ended sequence. It ends. There's going to be another It movie, right. but you don't need to see it. Well, okay, you saw The Mummy. Right. The Mummy is a huge open-ended thing, and it feels like, oh, God, there's going to be more of these. No one wanted to see that. Jumanji's going to have a sequel, but Jumanji feels like a complete story. Mm-hmm. Justice League is part of an interconnected universe, and actually, when the movie comes out, all the interconnected stuff is gone. It's just a movie about the Justice League. And it's actually kind of good for that. The Marvel stuff is different. People just like Marvel because, well, Marvel's figured it out. And Marvel still manages to do the... Like, it knows what it's doing. Okay. So, moving on from Justice League. I mean, those are salient points. I just don't have anything to add to okay. it. I'm going to talk about another movie that right now is, like, apparently way more polarizing than I think it needs to be. Okay. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, excellent movie. I think it's the best movie in the franchise. I really love The Force Awakens. I personally think people who are bitching on it, do you much like the sequels? I mean, you can kiss my ass. (laughs) I think uh, Last Jedi is easily the most gorgeous Star Wars film they've ever filmed. I think it's the most ambitious with the themes they're playing oh, with and what it decided, you know what, we need to cut away. I mean, Sorry, I mean, for me, and spoilers, like spoilers, five, four, three, two, one, okay, you had your shot. Ray's parents being a nobody. Right. I loved because we're moving away from that Skywalker dynasty, and it's no longer that you have to be the chosen one. It's you can be nobody right. and come from nothing or something horrible, and you can create your own future. What I find fascinating about Last Jedi is it feels like an actual movie and a Star Wars movie at the same time. Right. If that makes any sense. I was talking to a guy at work today, and he's like, we, we mentioned, I mentioned Benicio Del Toro's character, and I love how he's an actual rogue. Han Solo, Poe, these are roguish type characters, but uh, Del Toro's uh, DJ is an actual rogue. Mm-hmm. He's just in it for as long as he's going to come out on top. Right. And the guy I'm talking to at work goes, I can't wait till they bring him back. Because we've got ourselves conditioned now to, oh, we meet a character. He's played by a big star. Surely he's going to come back. I'm like, Maybe. It's like, you don't think J.J. will bring him back? It's like, I don't know what J.J.'s going to do. And that's kind of why I love The Last Jedi. A, I don't know what's going to happen next. I have no clue. And B, I'm okay with not seeing some of these characters again. I am not okay with not seeing Rose again. Okay, no, no. I mean in terms of, like, the rogue and stuff like that. Okay. Tiny characters. This idea that all characters come back just because okay. they have played by a big-name actor. Okay, and that sense of like, oh, he's going to be... I saw someone's like, oh, they're setting him up to be the next Lando. Exactly. Like, like no, or he just didn't have him? a friendship with right. any of them before this. Like, all it was was the way for him to dramatize the point 
that Finn needed to learn that some people are willing to sacrifice for a cause, and some people are willing to sacrifice for themselves. Right. And it's in fact what he doesn't learn, and Rose has to fucking drill into his goddamn head when he tries to, spoilers again, kill himself to save everyone and not really save anyone at the same time. Right. We don't win by killing what we hate. We win by protecting, protecting what we love. Right. Um, I love the movie. I love that it finally... And on one level, I feel bad for Luke and Leia that their Skywalker legacy is ultimately going to be over after Ben. Right. A.K.A. Kylo Ren. Um, but I like that, you know, it's setting it up for, yes, this family was hugely influential for three generations. Right. And now, you know, now it's going to end, hopefully. Well, um, I personally do not want to see Kylo Ren be redeemed. No, he can't. He can't. He shouldn't. I think, I, I know. I think Ryan lot... Johnson has all but basically laid the groundwork to, like, you cannot redeem him. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people feel like this was just Ryan Johnson fanboying over Kylo Ren and making Ray nothing but his like redemptive lady side piece up until the end. And I, I did not what get that at fuck? all. For me, it was entirely about okay, this is Kylo. It's where he comes from, and I'm showing you and setting this up of you can't redeem somebody who's an asshole. Right. It has to be their choice. Right. It is their choice to be an asshole. And you can try and try and try, but until they make that decision, right. they're going to be a raging asshole. And Ray realizes that, yeah, Kylo doesn't want to be redeemed. Yeah. She tried. And she tried to help the rebellion. Not right. because like she necessarily was just super in love with him she knew him a little bit and saw that there was conflict and thought she could right and and even then it's important to understand Rey only really goes to save Kylo because she thinks it'll bring Luke back right and she even at the very very end tried to get Luke to go one more time and he didn't yeah yeah, part of the reason why she fails is because she's not not, Lloyd isn't in it she doesn't really want to save Kylo. She, she just wants, wants to save Luke. Kylo for the resistance, right? Because she because she hasn't yet figured out that she's the hero. And I I do believe on some level, like she could sense conflict in him, right? But it's also pretty clear to her when Kylo chooses his past, and he's like, "Join me." Yeah, and she lifts her hand up and tries to take the lightsaber back. <laughs> she's like, "Oh shit, no, no!" She, like she nopes out of there so freaking hard. Which, I will say, I... I don't know why she didn't steal Kylo's lightsaber when she noped out of there, but, right. I mean, that's semantics. The Last Jedi is easily, thematically, and from a story standpoint, script-wise even, the most layered thing yeah. they've done in a while. I really liked it. Um, I liked it a lot the first time I saw it, but the more, like I even said in the the more I get away from it, the more I talk about it, the more I just, I love it. Yeah, I mean, and they set up, like, Poe Dameron. That entire subversion of that kind of Top Gun, Yeah, I'm the macho, alpha male, maverick, I'm going to be the one to save us. And he winds up nearly getting the entire Resistance killed. Yeah. Well, like, it's, it's really telling, too, like, when you see, like, after his stunt at the beginning of the movie, they had, like, how many bombers? Like, three or four bombers? They had, like, five or six. Right, and they have none by the end. Yeah, and, and he and thought you, it was a win. Right, 
And after they jump out of light speed, like hyperspace, it's the main ship and like three other ships. Yeah. They had a fucking fleet in the beginning, and that was just this. Well, I mean, not like maybe a massive fleet, but they had something. Right, they had something that would put up a decent fight. Yeah, they had X-Wings docking on the um, main ship. Right. Those get blown up. And there's something beautifully cinematic about Johnson's idea of like, what if we make it a slow chase? What if they're running out of gas? There's something, almost something out of like a... Out of like a Ozu or some French New Wave film. <laughs> of just the idea of a slow chase. You can't move too fast. You can't move too slow. So for like an hour, it's just a slow, steady pace. Interspersed with like Canto by right. and Rain all them. I love the fact that it was so like, it just, you got so much of this world. You got to breathe. You weren't immediately aware how everything connected. It was fun to just exist in a Star Wars universe. Right. I mean, going back to Poe, though. Right. Like what you said, um, he sacrificed their entire bomber fleet. Right. A ton of their X-Wings, the ones that didn't get blown up in the Empire. I mean, not the Empire, the First Order attack. And he's like, we took out a Dreadnought. And the thing that that the entire franchise has shown over and over again about either the Empire or the First Order. Right. They have resources like, whoa, and one of those big ships going down is going to smart a little bit, but they're going to have another one. Right. And what do they do? They have another one. Yeah. So what did you accomplish in the long run except screwing your people over even more? I love that subversion. Well, not only that, it was like the whole movie spent a lot of time deconstructing the notion of the great man. Yes. Which is a sort of, I don't know if that's the the actual name of the trope, but we see a lot of... The sort of rogue jackass hero mm-hmm. who sacrifices a lot, sets everything back, but in the end he was all validated because he was right all along. Right. And in this case, no. No, you weren't. No. We could have used those bombers. <laughs> could have used a lot of those people. Oh, a lot of these people could have lived yeah. if you'd have kept your mouth shut. And I will point out, this movie's pretty bleak. It is. There is humor in it. There's humor, but it's, like, it's never oppressively bleak. But understand that at the end, there's no more resistance. There is a handful of people. I mean, they the resistance fills. Hopefully, yeah, the resistance fills the Millennium Falcon. Yes, which also has Poigs and a Wookiee in it, so it's not exactly full. Yeah. So it's one of the things. Like, yeah, no, like, and as of for all we know, the most most likely there'll be more. But as we as of right now, there's no one else. But even then, the end shot, we see that child, the force sensitive right. child. Show the resistance ring. One of the best last shots. In the- <laughs> yeah, the, the the showing of the children talking about Luke's brave right. last stand. Like obviously that hope carries on. Exactly. I also love how, like the little that little notion of stories, how stories sort of spread throughout. Right. On their own, like they have their own sort of. And like I get why some people might not like this because you know this is the definitive ending of the Skywalkers right. essentially. Well, what's I was talking going back to that conversation with the guy. It's like, you weren't bothered by the fact that Snoke doesn't have any backstory. And I just went, no, he's a plot device, not a character. Right. And he just went, whoa, that was totally not the answer I was expecting. It's like, have you looked at someone else's opinions besides yours? (laughs) I'm okay with what they did with Luke. Well, this is the thing. I'm shocked and more people are shocked by how Luke ends up. Considering ending up alone, 
A hermit in a deserted, rather ravaged climate is the only retirement plan the Jedi's have. Yoda, Yoda Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, and now Luke. The only difference is Luke chose a fucking beautiful island as opposed to a god-awful swamp at the ass end of the universe or, or fucking Tatooine. Okay, uh, before we turn this into the Star Wars show... <laughs> While we start going on, I, I know I have several favorites. You may can you no. May... You can start your first one. My first favorite. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Okay, like we're in agreement. Wonder Woman to me is one of the best films of the year, bar none. Yeah. Um, I think what we got to see with a with a woman hero. Yeah. Of it's not just oh she's strong and just like a male superhero. Right. Like compassion is one of her biggest strengths. You know, not just, yeah, she's strong. Yeah, yeah, she can do all this shit. And she's super cool to look at fighting. But what you come to admire her so much for is her compassion. Right. And her wonder for everything. And even after she is disillusioned, she still chooses love. Right. I know, what about you? I love Wonder Woman simply because it was a hero movie that felt like a hero movie. Uh-huh. Have we talked about this before? The moment she hears... Someone's in danger. She's like, oh, we should so go save them then. And everyone's always like, no. She's like, no, no, no. We should go save them then. What's fascinating is how many times she's told no. Uh-huh. And how many times she just pushes back and goes, no, you're not listening to me. Right. We need to go save them. Well, the no man's land scene. Right. And I know this has been talked about to death with many other women saying they got chills from it. Right. And I did too. I was almost in tears. Just when she's like, Okay, well, if you're not, then I'm going to go myself. Right. Like, the moment when she's like, you know what? No, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done listening to you guys tell me I can't do this. And there's also, there's a lot of humor in there. There's a lot like, of humor. When she, she sees the baby. Right. When she sees ice cream. There also does a lot of, like, small stuff in terms of dealing with culture and yeah. racism and genders. But they also, they managed to do a scene we've seen a hundred times in which the beautiful Amazon has to find clothes that fit. And they manage to do it that's not, like, degrading, and she doesn't end up in an outfit that doesn't make sense. Right. It's just, you know, she goes from this very non-restrictive clothing to early 1900s. She looks like a female Sherlock, and it's hot. <laughs> well, okay, there's that, too. But, you know, the fashions for women during that time right, were not that. exactly the most um, freeing. So, I, yeah. yeah, I like that. And I also really liked, like you said, they had different cultures. Like, we see um, the trickster. Yeah. The Native American trickster god. It's the first person whom Diana willingly shakes her, right. his hand. And I like how they played it, where it's like, if you don't know anything, you're not going to notice it. Well, But if you are within that culture group, right. you're just like... <laughs> well, and this what I love about... Wonder Woman and Last Jedi and the fact that they have moments like that. Little tiny moments. Well, just what like, about no, The Last this... Jedi? Hmm? What's in The Last Jedi? Well, like, and this is essentially, like, the moment in which Luke tells me this will not end the way you think it will. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of akin to the handshake because he's basically going... No, 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 no. This will not, like, you You think you know what I'm talking about. And in the end, this will end with me sacrificing my life to save all of you. 
I don't know that I would say Luke had thought that far ahead. Right. I think he was just thinking, this isn't going to end how you think it will, because I tried to confront Daddy-O right. once and lost my hand, and he was my father, and Kylo doesn't give a shit. Gotcha. That's how I saw it, because he still had to have that pep talk by Ghost Yoda. This is true. I think I'm just looking at it from a different, yeah. yeah. I um, think I could be I'm wrong. I mean, I do love Wonder Woman for really introducing Gal Gadot to the world. Right. Uh, casting was just spot, spot on. on perfect. If you, I mean, I'm talking like Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, perfect. Right. And I guess to a lesser extent, Robert Downey Jr. for Tony Stark. Just because I don't know that he that I've seen them him stand as hard, but like she, I've seen her just go really hard for that character. Yeah, no, like there's a there, it's been a long time in the DC verse that we've had an actor and actress really stand that hard. I mean, we got Ezra Miller, but he doesn't have a movie out, right. so. And even then, a lot of people don't like. Sadly, don't like Ezra Miller. Well, that's their loss. Yeah. I mean, Jason Momoa does to an extent, but he's Jason Momoa, and he's kind of like that James Dean cool, so yeah. how much can you really stand for something? Right. Not only that, his movie isn't out yet, either. Oh, yeah. This is also the other problem, but we're not going to get mired in the problems of DC. Yeah, that was a different podcast. <laughs> that you will now have to revisit because you actually like Justice League. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously we loved Wonder Woman. Right. What's your next one? Get Out. Oh, that's a good one. That came out early this year. It came I'm, out like in January or February. February, I believe. Yeah. And I'm really impressed by how much that is sustained. Really good. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, it should, like, for a first time film, it's kind of amazing. Well, I like the conversation it started because I know Allison Williams, who yeah. plays uh, his. Oh, she plays the girlfriend. Rose Armitage. Yeah. I loved that even months later when she was in an interview and she was they asked her about the role and she was <laughs> like so many people keep asking me well she was she was being controlled too wasn't she like <laughs> they keep wanting her to be innocent I was like no she was a predator picking people off and it was normally white people asking me this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like that scene with her, like, when you see her put up all the pictures of the past people she's victimized. Yeah. And you just see her eating oils with milk. It's disturbing and hilarious all rolled into one. Like, Jordan Peele did a masterstroke of just how many emotions rolled into one we're feeling in this movie. Right. Like, you're never too scared that you can't laugh, but you're never so... So amusing and not actually, like, coiled in a spring. Right. I mean, like, even at the end, where I know originally he said he was going to have it be where she put her hands up and, like, our main guy, um... Danica Lewis character. Chris. Chris dies because, you know, it's a cop. Right. And just that whole white... Poor white lady with the black man, angry right. black man on top of her, and the cops come up like that entire. I'm so happy he went with that other direction. Well, because that entire psych out where no, turns out it's his friend from the TSA. Yeah. Well, as what's sad is, and what's horrifying is, 
the original ending makes sense. It does. And this one makes sense, too. It also just feels right, bro. It feels right in keeping with the theme of the movie. I right. think it, it... I mean, it would have been, obviously, like, terrifyingly, depressingly accurate if right. it had gone with the first ending. But I think Chris deserved the win in this. Mm-hmm. And I think it just would have... It would have been good, but it wouldn't have had that kind of, like, I'm getting one over on you finally. Right. That I just, I really wanted for Chris. And I get it. I mean, it would have been perfectly acceptable for it to go the other way. I mean, it happens all too often in real life. Well, I think this also gets into people confused with, uh, you know, going the dark, gutsy route Uh as being the correct route. I'm like, no, it is a option you can have. And it can make sense. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's another route that makes more sense. Right. And I think the one he went with makes more sense. Exactly. And especially in the year that we've had, uh, it, it's almost like a nice little, oh, I can I can dream. Uh, okay, so my favorite, okay. my next favorite movie of the year is Power Rangers. Of course, okay. Like you knew this was coming. I knew. I love this movie. I saw it either like five or six times. You saw it five times. If you saw it the sixth time, I had no idea about it. I saw it five or six times. <laughs> Here's the thing. I could have seen it six times because I think I have conversations with him all the time that are just in my head. <laughs> um, so that could have happened. But I saw this movie, like, a lot. A lot, a lot in theaters. <laughs> I loved it. He saw it with me twice. I'll yes. give him credit for that. I can only do it twice, though. It it was not his cup of tea, but it was definitely my cup of tea. Like, (laughs) if you were going to take a beloved film, like, childhood franchise Mm -hmm. and modernize it, I think Power Rangers is the gold standard. You didn't really watch Power Rangers as a kid. That was kind of a little bit after. Yeah, I'm just old enough to, like, not be into Power Rangers. Yeah, I came in on the tail end of... Being a little bit old, but I still got a couple of years with, with like, the original recipe Power Rangers, where I was just like, where I I thought they were the best thing ever. I remember, I'm old enough to remember getting into an argument with my nephew, claimed that Voltron was a rip-off, not that, Power Rangers, no, Voltron was a rip-off of Power Rangers, and I was like, what are you, insane? And because I was the age where I just couldn't let this go, I got into an argument with a child who clearly didn't understand how time worked. <laughs> Good on you. Um, yeah, no, I think I was in, like, fifth or sixth grade by the time the movie came out, the first movie. Mm-hmm. So that that's about where I was. I was just old enough to really enjoy original recipe right. Power Rangers. And I loved them. Right. But they were freaking campy as hell. Yes, they were. Oh, God, yes. And I thought the movie did such a good job of modernizing it. I know people assumed it was going to be this dark and gritty reboot, and it really wasn't. I was really happy that it wasn't, because I would go against everything about Rangers. Right. I mean, it was more grounded, but I thought it was actually very warm, and I liked that it took until the end of the movie for them to be able to actually be the Rangers. Right. And we see them in the armor and the zords and everything because we actually got to know them as people and it felt like we were watching a character drama for most of the movie with some sci-fi elements mixed in. Agree. Uh, the, the parts that I liked the most were the character elements. I mean, to the point, I thought that cast had amazing chemistry. They did. 
to the point that if Lionsgate or Saban or whoever is like, I don't know if you want to do another Power Rangers movie, but let's do something else with that cast, I would go watch it, no questions asked. Yes. Because they absolutely made that film. The things I like, the cast being the majority of it, uh, the cast saved that movie. I also had trouble staying awake both times I saw it. I get it's not your cup of tea. Right. I've but, forgiven you for it. Uh, <laughs> thank you. You all are magnanimous in your mercy and your, and your So life. that's a hint for the Shape of Water discussion we're going to have later tonight. Because <laughs> I know yeah. we will now. Anywho. Um, Elizabeth Banks is beautiful in this movie. Okay. I love the kids equally as much that I love was Elizabeth Banks coming into this movie and just deciding, you know what? I'm going to have as much fun as possible. She goes like full on the cook, Clancy Brown is the cook. It's kind of beautiful. So. I know. <laughs> she just goes full on, you know what? I'm going to embrace this and just go as far as they're going to let me go. The cook, sorry, but yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That was amazing. There's a moment where she's trying a Krispy Kreme donut. While Goldar just punches through the wall. Like, the scene itself is absurd, but that moment is like pristine beauty. With Destiny's Child, I'm a Survivor playing in the background. (laughs) It was amazing. Or when she's with um, Trini, the Yellow Ranger. Yeah. That entire scene where she's just like going full on, woohoo! <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, Becky G must just be like, please don't cut me. Please don't cut me. Because she's got those metal right. fingers on, and I'm just like, she's going so into it. And I'm like, all I can think of is like, man, that just takes one slip of the finger oh. on the neck. Yeah. But yeah, she was beautiful in this. I. Loved her. If we get a sequel, I don't even really care about Lord Zed. I just want to see her back. Yeah. Um, I liked what they did with Billy. Okay, I love the diversity in this film. Yeah. I love how all the different kids, you know, there was one white character. Right. And then Billy was autistic on top of that. And it was, you know, I have a lot of autistic friends that I asked, you know, what do you think about this movie and this portrayal? And they're like, this is the best portrayal of an autistic character we've ever seen. I will say, like, it's really odd that you get movies like Power Rangers and um, Fast and the Furious, Last Jedi, Rogue One, and which they're so effortlessly diverse. Mm-hmm. And I, then you feel like it's really hard. I'm like, no, it's not. Power Rangers did it. <laughs> okay, seriously, Power Rangers... Put out the first cinematic queer superhero. Yeah. Um, that was Trini. And she was Latina to boot, played by Becky G. Right. Frickin' Marvel. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, maybe one day. Disney did, oh, look at our gay character in Beauty and the Beast. And it's like, you blink and you miss it. I will Trini say. Trini gets this entire scene. Right. This entire monologue about her life and her sexuality. Shout out to Tessa Thompson, though, for playing that character queer, even though Disney won't say it. I know. <laughs> like, I I will give her total props. We're like, nope, she's queer. <laughs> oh, we're taking out your scene, though. That's cool. Still playing it like this. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just go in front of her. You know that scene where the Valkyrie's going down and my character looks super sad? That was going to be my lover. <laughs> 
Like, she just found any way she could to fit it in. Though, speaking of one of my next favorite films, okay. I love Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is the thing, They it? finally got a Thor movie right. <laughs> but speaking of diversity, the... Waititi. Yeah. Like, they gave him the reins, and he just gave this bug-nutty film. Well, not only... Finally, and it also played in the Chris Hemsworth talents. And in a weird way, they gave us a movie in which Kate Blanchett and Jeff Goldblum had a vamp off at opposite ends of the galaxy. And I don't... <laughs> I'm kind of sad they never met. I know, because I was waiting for that moment. I sh- Kate Blanchett looks like she's just having so much fun. <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum looks like Jeff Goldblum. And I love people like, I just think I'm going to cut the dramatic thing. Bullshit, it was awesome, Chef Chavez. Yes. Oh, okay, really quick. One more time for your favorite movie. Last one. Uh, Personal Shopper. Shock. I know. How did I not know that was coming? I've been saying it ever since I first saw it. Kristen Stewart and Olivia Says, Personal Shopper. I know you've been saying it. I had to hear about it for like two months after it came out. And I stopped after two. After I threatened you. As per usual. Okay, I want you to understand this. The only way I can get him to leave me alone about stuff is two months later when I have to put my foot down. <laughs> Because we live in the same place. I know, but dude, two months. You asked what my favorite movie is, I'm telling you. I know, I know. At least this wasn't like your Jackie Robinson phase. Yeah. <laughs> Not a phase, it's still going on. It's just, I heard the message and I taped it down. Hey, I lost like four months on that one. <laughs> Anyways, personal shopper Kristen Stewart, you thought it was one of the best movies of her career. It is, hands down. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just recapping because we were getting off topic. All right. No. It's, um, a lot of movies, like, leave you feeling haunted. This movie feels haunted, like, at its core. And it does something movies don't normally do. Kristen Stewart's character is a medium. And in the first ten minutes of the movie, she sees a ghost. And so rarely do movies outside of horror movies actually admit the existence of ghosts. Most of the time, it's like debating the existence. Except for the movie Ghost. Okay. Rarely is the key word. Whatever. It was one of the biggest movies of the 80s. Right. Rarely. It counts because it's one movie. (laughs) And like every supernatural teen, like, YA drama. Yes. I'm talking about movies, though. Twilight was a movie. Do they have ghosts? They have vampires. That's not the... Talking about ghosts. Okay. (laughs) Anyhow. But the point is, like, it deals with grief. It deals with isolation. And it deals with coming of age and finding yourself. There's a moment where she texts. And it's riveting. There's a sort of ongoing debate right now within the film community about how to make texting cinematic. And Olivia Desai has found out, which is just, you fucking photograph the phone, and then you turn the camera to Kristen Stewart's face, and she'll do the rest of the goddamn work. I mean, I can't disagree with you. Kristen Stewart, I do think, is very underrated as an actress, because she's so internal. She really is. And I think we're getting to a point where people are mistaking external acting for the only type of acting. Yes. And it's not the case. Anyways, we gotta wrap this up. Alright, well... Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. 
Have a safe and happy new year. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And yes, that's actually a lot I would not do. She doesn't do a lot. I don't mean it like that. I just mean you're really safety conscious. Uh-huh. Man, you walked right into that one. Anyways, be safe this new year. If you're going to go out drinking, you know, have a designated driver or have a cab ready to get you home. Be safe. Let people know where you're going to be. Yes, I'm a mother hen. I care about all of you in some way. Even if, that, even if I don't know you exist, I'm still saying you might exist. Be careful. Here's hoping that next year is better than this year. Oh, God save us all. Anyways, Thad will be back next time. I promise you won't have to put up with me again. Unless you go listen to Ladies First, in which case you will have to put up with me every episode. And what about the Phantom Minimals? I'm not on that one. Okay. And then on a back but I mean, if you like Kylie and Julia and Gretchen. Yeah. And sometimes a guest host. And they have what? The Unabashed Book Snobbery? Yes, that is Kylie and Julia on Unabashed Book Snobbery. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all we've got. Yeah, and then you just got to rate and review us on iTunes because that's how we get up, right? Yes. All right. Rate and review him on iTunes. I mean, you can do the rest of us too, but yeah. this is his show. So cold. Alright. Anyways, thank you. Everyone, have a happy new year.